Welcome, everyone, to the Dex and Dad Book Review Podcast, starring Hi. Dexter uh, and his dad. This week, we're reviewing the book The Call of the Wild by Jack London, a book that was put out in 1903. Wow. Yeah, so a while ago, 120 years ago almost, right? Dex, give us the, what's the genre of the book? Adventure, pretty much. Or it is. Historical fiction, I guess. Maybe. There's some history. Yeah, good point. It's an adventure set in a very, there's a real specific like context, huh? Yep. Yep. What's, what's the big history thing happening in the oh, book? Oh, it's the Canadian Gold Rush. Yeah, so an adventure tale set in the Canadian Gold Rush. Do you want to give just brief few sentence little intro? Okay, book is stolen. In the middle of the night, he is basically sold, uh, stolen and sold to someone not as nice. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That also does some dogfighting. Yeah. And what's his his job when he gets up to the north? His job is um, uh, pulling the sled... Sleigh riding? Nah, sleigh, sleigh pulling. Yeah, uh, a sled dog. Yeah, sled dog. Yeah, and uh, this is the life of a sled dog? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, with that intro, Call of the Wild by Jack London. Let's dig in here. Okay, let's get into it. So the main hero of the book, like you said, is... Buck. Who is a dog. Yes. So this is a little bit different than stuff we normally read. Yeah. Also, he never, like, speaks at all in the book. I mean, he's a dog, but, like, could yeah. he speak in dog, Yeah, I guess? right. And it's a good point. Like, he doesn't, uh, do you know the word anthropomorphize? You you know that word, I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like humanoid sort of or, like, make more human. Yeah, like Garfield talks like us or whatever. Yeah, well, with thoughts, but we can hear them <laughs> Yeah, see them. That sort of brings up the fact that The Call of the Wild isn't exactly like, it's not a little kid's book. It's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a funny book, actually, because it's, it's uh, I don't know what the target age is. I, it's, it's one of the few books we've done on the podcast that is part of like the traditional books you read in school though. And I mean, I read it as a sixth grader. So the narrator is just a narrator, right? Just guy, I guess. Guy working on the team that just never gets mentioned or something. I don't know. I'm trying to... Just like an observer. No, it's just a normal story. Omniscient narrator, right? Well, yeah, but I'm trying to find a place where... Where that person's watching? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good point. Um... So we observe Buck, but we don't get to get too much into his inner, yeah, his inner life. If it was written today, somebody would have some. The Buck would have a whole line of reasoning, probably that we could see into more. And that, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Well, chances for fan fiction right there. Nice. Um, yeah, call it a wild fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> when I learned this as a fifth or sixth grader, I can't remember. Um, one of the reasons teachers like this book is because it's so short. 
And yeah. So you can give it to any kid, and then they can force their way through it, even if they don't like to read. But uh, it was used to demonstrate whatever we were doing that year. They were trying to teach us about literature, and there were categories of literature for how you set up a story. And the one, and in, in this categorization, uh, is really way too simple and not good at all. But they broke it into man versus man, man versus nature, and man versus himself. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's nice and tidy and seems like it divides up literature, but it's bit stupid because that's not what books are at all. But Yeah. <laughs> um, so of those three, though, so we, we read Call of the Wild so we could see that the book, w- which one would this one be? Uh, it would be... Man versus nature, though yeah. it's not a man. Right, it's dog versus nature. So it's a funny example, right? Well, there are men battling nature, and there's. Yeah. So the other thing that's wrong is you know it should be humans versus, but yeah, protagonist versus. Yeah. And then there's also Buck has a lot of conflict though with other dogs and with the human owner. He goes through a variety of owners. Remember? Yeah, yeah, because like other. They die or, like, just leave or, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, like, stupidity in the owners, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, brutality in the owners, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty rough book for kids, actually, because yeah. dog fights and stuff, right? The dog's fighting themselves. Dog. Really. Yes. Dog versus dog. So there's three kinds of literature. Dog versus man. Dog versus dog. <laughs> Dog versus the wild. Anyway, um, on that note, it's uh, it's time for the section where where uh, Dex reads. I think. Great. Uh, this is from like the beginning, Ilya. Buck did not read the newspapers, or he would have known that the trouble was brewing. Not alone for, for himself, but for every tide water dog, strong of muscle and with warm long hair, from Budget Sound to San Diego. Because men groping in the Arctic darkness have found a yellow metal, and because steamship and transportation companies were booming in fine, thousands of men were rushing into the Northland. These men wanted dogs, and the dogs they wanted were heavy dogs, with strong muscles, which to toll, and furry coats to protect them in the frost. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the line, Buck did not read the newspapers, it's probably the only joke in the whole book, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he comes to love it, though, right? Yeah. So this is a book with, uh, with good guys and bad guys in it. Yeah. What's the main type of bad guy that he bumps into? Uh, other bad dogs that want to, like, eat him. Yeah, exactly. He's got to learn to toughen up, right? Yeah, which is... Dumb. It's just like, come on, let me. Oh well, say, say a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where's Buck coming from? What's his background? What kind of dog was he before he got kidnapped? Uh, Dognapped. He was on like a really cozy farm. Remember? Yeah, and it really sucks that he just. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was like the owner's favorite, getting to do whatever he wanted kind of thing. Yeah, but then... It's a little soft and spoiled, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say spoiled, but like... Yeah. He's a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) Was a good boy. (laughs) Yeah. This week's question comes from listener Elmo Bloomquist. (laughs) That's his name, Elmo Bloomquist. Yes. What can you do? Elmo Bloomquist. Who asks, if you could have a sleepover with any character from a book, who would it be? Hmm. Uh, any character, for, did he say from any book? From a book. A book. Okay. I think I'd want to have a sleepover with Calvin. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> sounds good. How, how about you? Anyone? Who? Yeah, same. Same. How about our cat in the hat? Oh, yeah. yeah. I can only think of really little kids' books when I think of what a fun sleepover would be. Or somebody, like, really smart so you could ask them questions. Uh, back to the book, right? Yeah. So typically in stories, characters grow, right? Yeah. We never read a book about a guy who just has the same day over and over again doesn't experience anything new, right? Usually, yeah. And, and one of the, the features we always see is their, the, whatever the main character, the life always has to get broken up Yeah. from what they're used to. Yeah. I don't know if that's because that's what's in stories or if that's the only part of people's lives that we're interested in. But anyway, you know, they, they change and grow or they find their secret talents or powers or whatever, right? Mm. So um, let's talk a little bit about like thinking about Buck starting in California as a soft, pampered, happy dog, and what he is by later in the book. So uh, how does... crazy wolf bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) He becomes a wolf bad boy. Yeah, he's a bad boy. What do you mean by that? What are the characteristics? He goes from a... Uh, A good dog to a hardened uh, evil dog that is mean. (laughs) Oh, I don't... I don't agree with you that he's evil. Well, I wouldn't. Well, not really evil. Well, he, he yeah, he's tough. Yeah, he, he becomes like a killer. You're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. What? Why? So he transforms from a soft dog who's fed kibble and gets petted to a, a really tough dog. What are the yeah. positives about it? What's What's good about what happens to him? I mean, if if uh, if he's in a hard climate, that's that would be helpful. Or if someone were attacking him, they do. Yeah, they do attacked. attack him. That's that's basically the only time where he attacks <laughs> back. So I guess not not too bad. I mean, I guess that's sort of fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's mostly about him getting hard, isn't it? Yeah, toughened up. You get the impression that this dude who doesn't look hard at all. We have a picture of him. He looks as soft as soft can be. Um, one presumes, we don't read any introductions or anything else, so we can only presume, but one presumes that Jack London spent a good deal of time up there yes. and thought it was awesome, right? Yeah. He obviously admired some of these these tough characters that lived up in the Yukon, right? Yeah. That's, that's the guess. But he's kind of celebrating. I got the impression that the author means for us to really go with Buck on the journey. Well, yeah. 
And maybe we're supposed to like stop reading the paper and get off the couch and go get tough. No, I don't feel like it. I mean, I'm, which is why we're starting a fight club in the backyard. Are you I'm ready? reading this book. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to. Yeah, no, that's good. So will we can live through we can live through Buck's experiences, right? Yeah. The beauty of reading. Yeah. Um. So one way to view it, like we frequently do, uh, last time when we were talking about Little House in the Big Woods, it was a different book for us because there wasn't really a hero. But I think you can make the argument that Buck is actually presented as a pretty traditional hero yeah. in the story. Yeah. Like he starts as just one of the dogs and what happens on the dog sled team? What, what does he become? Well, hardened, tough. Yeah, but he gets rewarded yeah. for that, right? They put him at, he ends up being at the front. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then when his, when he meets a nice owner finally and they get along, remember John falls into the water. Oh, yeah. He actually uh, helps John get out of the water. Yeah. I think he saves his life a couple of times, actually. And then there's a, the scene where he's, uh, he gets challenged. He has to perform a feat of strength for everybody. <laughs> remember with the heavy, with a heavy sled, right? Uh, oh, yeah. So I, th- I think he's kind of a thinly geist. Dog. <laughs> with that in mind, too, like if I, I'm contending that the author is in support of this hardening process and thinks we could use it. Not you personally. Don't. You can keep eating snacks. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to make you get a question one might ask oneself is what do you think he means by the call of the wild? What's it calling to? Buck, uh, people, yeah. One. And, and what's the call? What do you think? Hey, this is a really bad climate. You should probably be tougher. <laughs> <laughs> he was older than the days he had seen and the breaths he had drawn. He linked the past with the present, and the eternity behind him throbbed through him in a mighty rhythm to which he swayed as the tides and seasons swayed. He sat by John Thornton's fire, a broad-breasted dog, white-fanged, long-furred. But behind him were the shades of all manner of dogs, half-wolves and wild-wolves, urgent and prompting, tasting the savor of the meat he ate, thirsting for the water he drank, scenting the wind with him, listening with him and telling him the sounds made by the wildlife in the forests, dictating his moods, directing his actions, lying down to sleep with him when he lay down, and dreaming with him, and beyond him, and becoming themselves the stuff of his dreams. So peremptorily did these shades beckon him that each day mankind and the claims of mankind slipped farther from him. Deep in the forest, a call was sounding, and as often as he had heard this call, mysteriously thrilling and luring, he felt compelled to turn his back upon the fire and the beaten earth around it and to plunge into the forest. And on and on, he knew not where or why, nor did he wonder where or why the call sounding imperiously deep in the forest. So that's the call. Maybe yes. it only, maybe it only makes sense to dogs. Caveman call. Exactly. That's exactly what I think.
Yeah. So that's what I would say. Man versus history. Man versus his roots or something like that. So uh, let's critique this just a little bit. A little bit of what you already said is a criticism that the author made this kind doggo turn into a killer. A bad boy, yeah. (laughs) Bad boy. A really bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's 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 an important point. You'd like it better if that's not what happened to Buck in the the course of the book, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like when at the end there's like no... Humility. Mm-hmm. Humility or humanity? Do you mean like he's he's completely wild? Yes. Yeah. Well, how would you fix it? What would be a way for this book to round out and have a more satisfying ending than Buck becoming completely wild? Yeah, it was it was not very good, honestly. Huh. Um, I don't know. Maybe finding a new owner, getting back to his other owner. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In a normal kidnap story. Yeah. You get back, right? If I could rewrite this, I wouldn't change a thing. But if somebody said I had to for an assignment for class, <laughs> mine would be he goes back and he shows all the people in Bakersfield or wherever they are how awesome he is now. And they're like, <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Buck got really lean and mean. Cool. Let's, let's fear him. Yeah. That, but give that's... him nice food. That would work, actually, instead of, like, having to hunt. Pretty unsatisfying. Yeah, pretty, I don't know. It's sort of just, okay, uh, he went into the wild. We're going to make people fear him. The end. That's (laughs) That's actually the ending. Do you think that the author trying to get into the dog's head, maybe he believes that on some level that's what a dog would want? I suppose. But I'm not sure why he would turn down good food that you've been having <laughs> to or raw meat. I hear you. Hey, there's kind of a trend in the books we're reading where we got whatever stories we were doing. Then we had uh, the people living in the cabin. Mm. Then we graduated to this book where it's people and animals living without even a cabin. Yeah. Like it's getting rawer and rawer. All right. So next question. What's our level of recommendation then? Uh, I would say it's pretty good. You should read it. Uh, you should definitely give it a read. Uh, yeah. For educational purposes or for enjoyment? Probably for more educational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. The thing that I like most about the book and why I'd recommend it is just the writing is very... Uh, kind of soaring, you know, he really writes about nature and, and loves it, and it's yeah. pretty grand. You know, it's almost worshipful of nature, which is... Well, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's fun to listen to him kind of go on and on and on about, about the natural beauty and stuff. But otherwise, I agree, character development, I, I, wish, uh, I wish there was a different ending, but that's just because we're soft Southlanders. All right, well, I... Th- I think that that about sums it up. Yeah. I got to do brief closing housekeeping announcements, okay? Great. This podcast Great. was sponsored in part by your local Baskin-Robbins, now serving customer number 34, and also by Butch's Amico, where you can stop in anytime for a fill-up or a tune-up, but we still don't sell donuts or phone chargers. 
Butch's Amico. We take care of your car. You take care of you. Thanks a lot for listening. The podcast was produced, recorded, mixed, music by Phineas Brady. I'm Dexter's dad, and this has been the Dex and Dad podcast. Thanks for thanks for listening. That's Dexter's pound off. He just fist bumped goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>